0: Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. All right. Well, who's ready for some word? All right. All right. Awesome. Well, the Lord is good. That's all we can say. I heard uh red one one time that that you know people like to embellish that you know if you read in your Bible it says you know the Lord is good and he looked at his creation he said it was good we like to use terms like very good or awesome or outstanding and all these things and yet if you think about the word good in in all of its form it is perfection right and we, we try to put levels to it but God is just good there, there's no not good in him it's just good everywhere you look it's just good and there's no scale, and there's no really good, and there's no less good. It's just good, and I just can't help but think about how perfect the Lord is in some of these times. Anyhow, uh, this morning um, I strode a little bit with this message because I, I guess let me let me throw out a disclaimer, and then we'll pray and we'll get started on that. Um, what what I have today is is one of those areas that that. Has, has been a bit of a challenging point as I think about it. And I think it'll challenge you as well. But what I don't want you to get out of this is any confusion. Okay? Um, and really what we're going to be talking about is the whole redemptive process, salvation, sanctification, and what that looks like and what that means for you. Um, and the reason I want to put this disclaimer up front is because I want you to really think about your life and how you look at these things because there is a there is a subtlety in this that that you can fall into and we'll talk about it later that's a bit of a trap have you ever 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 been in a a position where you think you're doing the right thing and it doesn't turn out well that's the kind of trap that this could be okay so so with all that let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for the outpouring of your spirit. Father, for the way you poured out your love and your grace and your tenderness through our, our music set and our worship this morning. Lord, we love to sing your praises, declare your glory, declare your goodness. Father, we love to call down that joy and peace and the, the breaking off of. Uh, of of habits and hang-ups and the breaking of strongholds and the release of freedom to your people and healing from the inside out. And so, Lord, as we dig into your word here, Father, let every heart be tender this morning. Let it be received. Father, let it let it find that fertile place in the souls of the people here, Lord, that they would receive it with joy and gladness. Father, that it would be a seed to bring about good fruit. Father, that it would break up that fallow ground, and that it would cause new life to grow. So, Lord, we praise you and thank you this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 will be a familiar scripture to you. And it's this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then there's a, a parallel to that over in Romans chapter six, verses five through seven. It says, "For if we have been united in the likeness of his death, certainly we must, or, or certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Amen? Amen. So, so, kind of the title I put on today on, on this message is Putting Off the Old Man, Being Sure of Your Salvation. And so in Scripture we find this reference to the old man, and I used the New King James this morning because the NLT doesn't use that term, but I think that's a great way to think about this idea of putting off the old man. Because as as we've read there and as we know in our lives, when we come to this point of salvation and we we yield our life to the Lord, there is this transformation that is supposed to take place. There There is this crucifixion of the old man that is supposed to happen and this rebirth that is supposed to happen in this creation of this new man. But... My question is: When we see that happen, and we when we when we see someone who is comes to the altar and they give their life to the Lord, and they turn around and they walk back to their seat, you look at them and you go, "Well, what's really changed?" And 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 that's what I want to dig into this morning: is 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 what's really changed. So part of this was brought by one of the little videos you see sometimes on social media that kind of catches your interest. And it's this one guy, and I couldn't help but think about Ken, because Ken's testimony is a lot like this. Daryl's too. In that the guy comes on camera, and he says, you know, I used to share my testimony, and I used to be discouraged when I'd share it, because I would tell people about how how angry I used to be, and, and how troubled I used to be, and how God's really delivered me from those things. And people would say, wow, I don't see it. I just, I just don't see that in you. You know, I look at you, and that's not at all who I see. And he used to be discouraged by that. It's like, well, can't you see the progress I've made? Can't you, can't you kind of rationalize and see how God has transformed in my life? And he used to be discouraged that people couldn't recognize that in. But he said, then he came to realize one thing. He said, that's the old him. That's the old me. He says they shouldn't see that man. Because he's a new creation. And so now when he shares his testimony, people go, wow, I just don't see it. They're like, that's right. Because that man died on the cross years ago. And so so I think about that, and I think about, you know, like, 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 I I don't know, Ken, I don't want to share your testimony, but can I? A little piece. So Ken will tell you, and, and he's, he's announced it in here before, but Ken used to be, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, Ken. I love you. I love you. But, but Ken used to run the street and do some uh, less than ethical things, right? And the people he surrounded him with were, were like-minded people. But if you look at him today and how God moves in his life and how his heart breaks when the Lord moves and, and how he can just come and love on someone and pray for someone and just empathize with them wherever they are and he can give them words of wisdom and move, you would look at him and go, really? Really? Just don't see it. And what a glorious testimony that is to be able to say that. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to say that. But with all that, we have all known people who struggle, who struggle to walk away from the old man and the old habits and the old life, who years into this walk, we've all seen it. You see them in church every Sunday, and year after year, they sit there and they praise the Lord and they declare its goodness and all that kind of thing. And yet, year after year, they come up to the altar, and they want forgiveness for the same thing over and over and over again. And there's just this stronghold, just this thing that they just can't get free of. So how come some can lay down the old man and get free of these things, and others can't? And so this has is, this is really bothered me. Because standing in a position where I, I, I need to come up here and share this testimony and share the good word of the gospel... I want to figure this out because I want people to see freedom. I want people freed of those things. I want that old man left completely behind. And I want that new creation to grow and have this brilliant, glorious life that it's intended to have. And I want the, the people that, that I come in contact with, that I minister to, that I, that I lead and inspire, to really get a hold of that and really run with everything that God has for them. But that old man tends to slow us down. So how is it possible then? How is it possible? How is it possible that the old man, the unredeemed, unrepentant, unforgiven, sin-filled old man just hangs on? there? And what are we going to do about it? So in my reading I found something that was really interesting and it kind of highlighted to me the importance of laying down the old man. And I never saw this before this week. And this is in Romans 5. And when you think about sin, we know that that when sin was introduced, the word says it brought death. But in reading this this passage in Romans 5, I got a, got a glimpse, and I want to share that with you, of just how poisonous sin is. And I'm a little disappointed that I may not see some faces in heaven when we get there. So Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. We all know this. Adam's sin brought death. We know that. So death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Well, that sounds positive, doesn't it? Still, everyone died. Lord, what gives? What gives? Okay, they sinned, but you said it was before the law. What gives? And what I realized is that sin and holiness don't cohabitate; They don't live together. There will be no sin in heaven. And so even before the law, the poison of sin affected everyone all the way up from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, and they all died. Now, I don't know, maybe some theologian has searched that out, but I'm a little disappointed that we won't be able to see Abraham and Joseph. I'm a little disappointed that Adam won't be there, Eve won't be there, we won't be able to see kind of that perfect union of man and woman. Is that what this means? I don't know. But it sure highlights to me just how poisonous sin can be. And see, that, 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 that's important because, you know, we get in this life and there's this wrestling between the old man and the new man. And I've done it, I'm sure everyone in the room has probably had these times where you're, you're tempted to get into sin, right? And you're like, oh, should I, should I not? You know, I want to, but I shouldn't, right? And we wrestle with these things. But if we realize just how poisonous sin is, we might just choose to stay away from it. Right? And we want to we play these games like, well, I can do that today and then I'll ask for forgiveness tomorrow. Boy, that's a dangerous place to play. It's a dangerous place to play. Someone cuts you off in traffic and you let them know just how wonderful you think they are. And you let that anger boil up inside you and you say some things that maybe, you know, aren't righteous things to say. It's a dangerous game to play. You might not see that truck sideswipe you, you know? You just never know. So there's an impetus and a need for us to be able to walk this life in a righteous manner. Well, you say, oh, well, that's so hard. It's impossible. No one can do that. Well, that's not what my Bible says. Next verse, it says, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did also perished. Perished. Oh, I didn't get the one I thought. I could. Oh, it's later. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I, I jumped ahead in my notes. Oh no, it is that one. It is that one. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, get my thoughts straight, get my thoughts straight. So so let me take a step back here, because I, I, I need to finish this thought. So it says, still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. What happened in the time of Moses? The law was given. The law stopped the death. So, So what you might have heard, right, all your life, right? The law showed people how, much they needed grace. Absolutely true. The law convicted people. OK, I'll give you that one too. The law also allowed people to be redeemed. Because if the death stopped at the time of Moses, what changed? The law came in, and suddenly people had, had boundaries that they could keep, and as long as they stayed in those boundaries, and was it easy? Maybe not. Maybe not. But at least this scripture right here says when that law came, suddenly the death began to stop. Not everyone died. But because of the law, because of those boundaries, people were able to say, okay, I can can do that. I can stay in that boundary. I can stay in that line. Now, was it challenging? No. Or was it challenging? Yes, probably was. Did they have to go frequently, right? And bring their sacrifice to the altar and seek forgiveness and repentance at the altar? Yeah, they they did, absolutely. But did that give them a path to redemption? Yes, absolutely. So, was it hard? Yes, absolutely it was. Well, why was it so hard? One, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. They had to keep all they had to be experts in the law, every one of them, to know when they were gonna cross that line. Right? And and if you guys are familiar, right? There's the Ten Commandments, and then I think there's 613 Jewish laws. How many of y'all have heard that before? How many of y'all could memorize 613 things that you are allowed to do or not allowed to do? Right? That would be a challenge, right? How'd they get from 10 to 613? They asked a lot of questions. Right? It says, Y'all, thou shalt not murder, right? That's one of the ten. But then they, they went to the rabbis and said, well, well, what about when we get attacked? How do, how do we not murder there, right? So they, they had to come up with some guidelines, right? And so they, they came up with the guidelines there. Well, what about this scenario? Yeah, okay, we'll come up with some more guidelines. My favorite one, and I don't remember all the details, but, but at some point there's, there's a scripture that says something about um, like putting the, the prayers on the doorpost. And so some people put it in this little, little tube. You roll up your little scroll with your little prayers on it or whatever, you'd put it on the doorpost, and you'd hang it on the door. And it may be off a little bit, but there's something there. It, prayers, I'm not sure what it is, to be honest. And it really doesn't matter. But some people would hang it vertically, and some people hang it horizontally. And so the people said, well, they can't hang it that way, right? It's got to be vertical, right? And so they go back to the rabbis, and the rabbis looked at it and go, well, some people hang it vertically, some people hang it horizontally. Officially, 45 degrees. True story. True story. And that's how they resolved some of these conflicts, is they looked at it and said, what's good for everybody? And they finally had to come up with another rule that said, okay, put it at 45 degrees. And that's what they did. That's how the Jewish leaders and the rabbis from the time of Moses all the way up to the time of Christ tried to figure things out. And part of it was the rules they would create and part of it is following the traditions they would create. But that's how they lived. That created the boundaries that allowed them to live righteous before the Lord. But that's hard. Because holiness is a high standard. Holiness is a high standard. And without the Holy Spirit to guide them, they had to live by the rules. Well, nowadays, times have changed, the world's changed, but the standard for holiness has not changed. Holiness has not changed. So what do we do now? Well, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that from the beginning of creation that you saw the need to have a Redeemer, that you put your plan in place from the beginning, that Jesus would come and open the door so that many could be saved. And just the opposite of the first Adam who caused poison and sin to end the world and caused many to die, Jesus as the second Adam comes in to save many, to redeem many, to bring them to everlasting life. So praise God that there was a plan and that Jesus came. But the key word in this verse is that whoever believes in him. So what does it mean to believe? And we could, we could define it, and it's, well, have trust in, right? To have faith in. We, we could play this game to try to define it using other words. But what does it really mean to believe it? What does your life look like before you believe and after you believe? And that change and that difference really marks whether you believe or not. And so this is the crux of where I kind of got stuck on this, and I wanted to dig in. What does it mean to believe? What does that really look like? Is it the same for everyone? And what I came down to, and the most obvious thing, is that your beliefs dictate how you act. Amen? They dictate how you act. They dictate how you look at things, how you process things, what you say. Your beliefs, your core beliefs, are going to drive everything else. So at the fundamental level, your beliefs dictate your actions, and your actions will be consistent in all situations whether anyone is looking or not. And that's a big litmus test. Because if you come in here and you're wearing a mask in here and you're all joy and happiness and everything's great and that kind of thing, and yet you go back and get in your car and you argue with your family all the way home, that's probably an indication that there's, there's something amiss there. One of the terms that came up as I was reading this is is a psychological term called cognitive dissonance. And that's a fancy way to say that your actions don't line up with your beliefs. So what what does it mean? What should our actions look like? And so this, this is the piece I want to bring out, and this is the piece that may be really challenging, and this is the piece that I really want you to think about. Because at some level, there's a difference between having a believing faith and believing in faith. Okay? And what's the difference? Believing in faith says faith is a good idea. I should follow that. Believing in faith says that I should do faith-filled things. I should be a good person. I should attend church. I should give to the needy, right? It's a good idea, and it's essentially good thoughts that lead to good actions, and it remains this intellectual, cognitive thing that that resides in your head, but never really penetrates to your heart. And essentially, believing in faith and holding that as a good idea and trying to walk that out essentially just modifies your behavior. But those behaviors, those thoughts, those things can be contrary to what you feel in your gut. I don't want to go today. I don't want to go face that guy. I can't stand that guy, whatever but I know I'm supposed to, so I'm going to go. I don't want to go downtown and volunteer at the soup kitchen. Those people come in, sleeping on the streets, they stink. I just can't stand it. But I'm supposed to. And that's believing in faith. That, that conflict is the flesh saying, I don't want to. I don't want to go and do righteous things. I don't want to go and, and, and really do good because at the core of self, the core of the old man, he's a bit selfish. But you up here can override that with good thinking. And I'm not saying good thinking is bad. We need some of that. But the contrast here is that a, a believing faith begins with a repentant heart. It begins with humility before the Lord. It begins at that point where you finally come to believe in the Lord, and you realize that even on your best day, you are filthy before the Lord. Even with your best effort, you fall short. And you can do nothing about it. And it's only through the mercy and the grace of Jesus that he picks us up Wraps his robe of righteousness around us and says, don't worry, I already paid your bill. You can't do that with pride in your life. You can't do that with this self-righteous attitude. You've got to be broken before the Lord. And honestly, we, we and I say we as in the church at large, and I've seen it in my life. I'm sure you have too where we want to simplify this whole salvation thing down to just making a choice. And that we can choose to let God in like we can choose to keep him out. And that's simply not how it works. It is not something that we can think about and just have happen. Because that salvation goes no further than than the little melon in our head. Never penetrates our heart. Never births that new being. My favorite writer says it this way. Anybody know who that is? Thank you. Y'all paying attention. I love y'all. So good. He says it this way. He says, What is overlooked by most teachers is that it also, speaking of, of salvation, includes an actual change in the life of the individual. And by this, we mean more than a surface change. We mean a transformation as deep as a the roots of his human life, and if it doesn't go that deep, it does not go deep enough. At our very core, at salvation, it ought to radiate through our entire being. Now, is, is, that, is that a wonderful thing? Absolutely. That is the new birth. That is the new birth, just like our DNA ought to just be different when we get up off of our face before the Lord when we finally come to that believing faith and salvation and realize that it is only because of the grace of God that he, he offers us salvation, when we get up from that, we ought, we ought to be a new person. And the reason we ought to be a new person is because that Holy Spirit deposit has been made in us. Y'all you know, and I got to share this. This is kind of an aside. I was at a funeral on Monday. And funerals can be tough because losing people is tough. But when they're Christian and they have a saving faith and you know where they're going, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to know that, that they're in heaven and whatever aches and pains and challenges they had in this life have all passed away. And that when they open their eyes in heaven, the first thing they see is the face of Jesus. That's pretty awesome. But have you ever thought about stepping into eternity? Where does that start? Does it start when you die and pass from this world? No. It starts at salvation. We walk on the earth with our immortal soul within us. And we do that for a number of very short number of years. When you think about eternity and the amount of days that we have on this earth, it really is a short time. And what a wonderful thing it would be if we could like fully just tune in to that Holy Spirit, that new man within us, and leave the old man truly on the cross and leave him behind. And walk in that fullness of the new birth and the new creation. But if you have that believing faith, if you've been saved by the Lord, and that is how you walk, congratulations, you're already in your eternity. You have already made it. Now all you want to do is shed this earthly tent. And rise into the streets of heaven. What a beautiful picture that is. What a beautiful thing that is. But the salvation really ought to go to the core of our being. Now, this is an interesting piece that I read. Also from my favorite author. But he says, your old life in salvation, both the good and the bad pass away. Right, we want to think about leaving the old bad parts behind. We don't think about the good parts, right? Now, now my salvation. I was generally a good kid, not perfect. Still working on me. But if you had met anyone and 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 like they'd talk to my parents, well, oh well, Wade's a good kid, right? He's courteous. He's nice. My dad was a gentleman to my uh, mother. He would always open the door for and those kind of things. And so I learned that, and I probably do it a little more imperfectly than he did but I, I learned those manners i learned kind of the work ethic from him i learned like to control my mouth and my tongue and 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 did i go through a season where i thought you know hey you know i'm a teenager now mom's in around i can just you know f bomb and whatever right because i'm a big boy now ha <laughs> yeah yeah i went through that stage not proud of it grew out of it thankfully Every once in a while, as Ken knows, you're working on something, you can bust your knuckle and some of that teenage voice and language comes out sometimes, but you know, you feel better after that, skip that thing across the garage floor, you know. No, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, God is still working on me. I am thankful that he is, he is not giving up on me and he's not giving up on y'all. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So why is it that we can't just let the old man die? Why is it? Nathaniel, come here a minute. Hopefully nothing falls apart while you're not sitting back there. It'll be fine. So Nathaniel is my son. Y'all know Nathaniel. Come up here. I think I still got him. <laughs> Pause for picture. <laughs> but I just want to illustrate a little bit about Nathaniel's going to be my new man. How do you feel about that? Feel okay about it? Okay. No pressure, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So he's going to be my new man, because I, I was thinking about this, and I, and I thought, What does that look like? What does that look like to wrestle with the old man? And we're not going to wrestle, by the way. Yeah. Probably good for both of us. But you know what? The old man, right, is supposed to go to the cross. Come back here. Old man is supposed to go to the cross and get crucified with Christ. And the new man is supposed to be born. But you know what? We lived in the same tent on this world. And so so what tends to happen is that the new man gets out here on his first day on the job (laughs) and he's like, Okay now what do we do? (laughs) All right, this is all new. Right? And and so and so I think what we tend to do is is grab the old man and pull him off the cross, right? And now, now, right? Somehow, it's 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 more familiar. And so here's listen. Here's where we slip up: is that we now let the new man or the old man come out in front. And I was going to bring a blindfold and some tape, just right. And, and what we tend to do is is we'll take the new man, right, for a ride. Until we, until we run into an obstacle, and then we're, then we're like, what do we do? Right? And, and then the new man's going to go, we'll go this way. And, I, and of course, we take off. And, and, and it's like, well, what's over here? And, and the new man's going to be like, you went too far. All I need to do is move that just that little bit, right? I was like, "Oh, okay, I got you. I I see where we're going. So we're gonna go this way, right? And before long, stay right there. Before long, I'm out here, and and now I'm like, Hey, new guy, Marco. (laughs) Right? We get we get out ahead of things." Is this as weird for y'all as it is for me to be out here in the middle? And so, and so we got to go back and find the, the new man again. It's like, that was scary out there. I ran into some stuff. But you know, the text says that the old man is dying. And the old man continues to Decay. And he decays at the sacrifice of the new man because the more I get out here, the less and less life I have in me, the less and less desire I've got to go back to even pick up the new man. When what I ought to be doing is one, leave this guy behind, right? And then the new man can go and go where the Lord leads him. But it's so hard because what we want to do, come back your name. What we want to do is we start walking that way. Just grab a jacket. And we start walking that way, and it's like, okay, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Right? And we drag the old man along. He's nothing but a dead weight. I mean, truthfully, in the kingdom of God, he's nothing but dead weight. Thank you, Nate. So we've got to learn to divorce the old man. Ephesians chapter 4. We've made a moment to get back. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. If indeed you have heard him, and this is a message to the church at Ephesus, if indeed you had heard him, him being Jesus, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off... Concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. He grows corrupt. It means he continues to grow corrupt. Put that off. Put that off. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the key things in this is there's two actions in here. One, you put off. This is a message to the church. And you're as much the church today as they were back then. And so the message to you today is put off the old man. And when you do that and begin to feel naked, put on the new man. what does all that mean? All that means is you've got to act. And You've heard it before, but God responds to your movement. You can look at Moses crossing the Red Sea. That water was just there like it was any other day. People were griping and complaining. They were surrounded by the army. Moses looked to God, and God says, why are you looking at me? Raise your staff. You move, then I'll move. They get to the Jordan River. The river's over its bank. It's, it's just a flooding current. And they look at it, and they're like, we're going to cross what? We can't cross that. That river will sweep us away. And you know what God said? As soon as the sandals hit the water, watch. So they had to get the ark, put it on their shoulders, get all their gear on, and as soon as they hit that water and got their feet Cool thing about that one was it said that the water was stopped afar off. So it wasn't like the red sea where it parted in front of them which I think is awesome. But in this case they got out in that water and I wonder I wonder how quickly the water receded. I wonder just how far out into that they got before they saw the water start to recede. Cuz I'm sure it was up to their ankles. I'm sure it got up to their knees. I'm sure at some point they may have had the ark and just doing all they could to keep their necks above water before they started to recede. And I can't help but think that sometimes God wants us to step out in faith. He wants us to step out in faith into an uncomfortable place where with our natural eyes and our natural senses, everything around us looks like it doesn't make any sense. It looks like we are about to be swept away in the current and the river of life. And he's like, watch this. You hang in there, keep the faith, and watch me move. So there's action that we have to take. We have to put off the old man and put on the new man, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We've got to learn to trust the new man. We've got to learn to listen to that voice. We've got to learn that as we push into that new man and push the old man out and we get rid of all those old tendencies and we allow those new tendencies to come in, we've got to trust that when he says move, go get your feet wet, we've got to go move and get our feet wet. Stand with me. So I started this morning... With a disclaimer, I wanted you to be sure of your faith. And I really do want you to chew on this because it is is easy to believe in faith and do the right thing because you believe you're doing the right thing. It is an entirely different thing to let the Holy Spirit come in your life Listen to that inner voice. Listen to the Lord as he speaks through the Holy Spirit and allow that to direct your life. And it is something that, that you really need to think about, ponder about, pray about, and really seek what that is in your life and where you stand. And I want to charge you with that today, not because I want you to doubt your faith but I want you to be sure in your faith. I want you to be 100% committed to your faith in Christ. I want you to be in this process of taking that old man, leaving him on the cross, getting rid of those old tendencies, and putting on the new man. Get rid of that dead weight. God has an amazing plan for your life. He has prepared good works for you to do ahead of time, expecting you to come on the scene, be available, and ready to run for it. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. Using my analogy of the Jordan, you, you want to have that story later in your life that you were up to your neck and God showed up in a marvelous way. You want to have that testimony. You don't want to have the testimony of the guy on the on the side that was like, well, well, we got our sandals wet. It didn't even touch my toes. So we just got our sandals wet. It's as much as we were willing to go. Later in your life, you'll regret not going all the way in. And as you walk out of here today, how can you continue to put off the old man? What are those things in your life that you need to Put off. What are the, what's the dead weight that you've been carrying that's been holding you back, that's been slowing you down? Put that off. Allow the new man to fill that space. Allow him to bring that new life, that new energy, that new purpose in your life. And run this race for God with all you've got. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.